This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Tonight my message is entitled, It's Time to Push Back. Can someone say that after me? Say, it's time to push back. It's time to push back. We had this bully in school. His name was Anton van Aberg. Every school has one of those. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When JP was in school, he was that guy. My daughter's husband. So every school has a bully. This guy was so big, you couldn't mess with him. You must remember, when I was in school, I was so thin, if I raised my hands, my ribs looked like Venetian blinds. I was very, very thin. So what this guy would do as the bully of the school is he would steal people's lunch at random because nobody could take him on. The one morning I woke up and I thought to myself, I've had enough. It's time to push back. But I couldn't do it physically. He would have beaten me like a red-headed stepchild. So I said, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to go an alternate route. So what I did was I got hold of my mom's laxative. A brook lax. And so what I did was I crushed all these tablets up and I mixed it on a peanut butter and jam sandwich. But I put it so thick that he wouldn't tell the difference. He wouldn't taste the difference. Anyway, Vrachis. The next morning, I left it in the passage. Anton van der Berg stole my lunch. But this time, I didn't mind. I just sat back and watched the show. That afternoon, we had an athletics event and he was a very good 100-meter sprinter because he was so tall. And I'll never forget, he was on the starting block like this, marks, gets set, he put his hand up like this. He says, i got to go. But it wasn't to run, he needed to go to the bathroom. Needless to say, he was completely incapacitated. He couldn't even partake that day. He got to school the next day, he was like ashen white. He says, I don't know what's wrong with me. He says, I can't keep anything in. I said, shame, that's terrible. But all the time I knew, I got to push back. The theme of my title of my message tonight is not that I'm saying we need to give Christians brooklacks or the devil brooklacks, but I'm saying there are ways and means. God has given us a method in Scripture to be able to push back. It seems like the spirit of this world is directly and violently only attacking believers, only Christians. There's not a series you can watch on TV right now where blasphemy of the name of Jesus is not rife. They won't blaspheme anybody else, not Allah, not Muhammad, not Gandhi, nobody else, but they will pick on the name of Jesus. Why? Because he's the only one that's alive. He's the only one that's alive. And so the spirit of this world seems to be pushing back on the church, trying to regulate religion. The spirit of this world is trying to hamstring Bible colleges from doing what God has called them to do. The spirit of this world is really, and I decided, I woke up two, more, two weeks ago in the morning, I said, it's this, it's time to push back. How many of you are ready to push back? Can someone say it's time to push back? From the very beginning, it was God's purpose to share with man his dominion over the earth. From the beginning of time, God wanted us to rule and reign as if he himself were ruling and reigning on this earth. We find that in Genesis 1 and verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Over what? Over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Nothing nothing is excluded. No creature, nor circumstance. 
that God did not create us to have dominion over. Sometimes because of deception and ignorance, we allow our circumstances to dominate over us. I want you to know that is not God's will for your life. Can someone say it's time to push back? So because of the disobedience of Adam, we see that this authority and dominion was lost. We find out in Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, however, that it has been reinstated to us. And although you don't feel like it today, let me tell you, this is available to every believer. It says here in Romans 5, 17, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by the one Christ Jesus. Say this, I need grace and the gift of righteousness. If I have those two, I am positioned to reign in life. That's what that scripture says. So right now, because of the blood of Jesus and his mercy, every single one of you are currently in a position in Christ to reign over whatever it is you're going through. If you know things can change, you might admit you're not where you want to be. But if you can only appreciate, understand that what you are facing right now is subject to change, God can pull you out. To be hopeless is to be godless. Because God is the God of hope. You see, through our union with Christ, we have already been raised up and share the throne with him. Say this, I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, when our president goes away on vacation, he doesn't give up his title nor his authority as president. Why? Because his authority is really in the parliament buildings. So he might be at Mschlange enjoying his time at Mschlange, but he's still a president. You see, although we, are, although we walk on this earth, we are still seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That is your current position of authority. It really helps bring into perspective some of the things we go through sometimes and how quickly hopeless we can become. Why? Because we forget where we're seated. Say so this, I'm seated in heavenly places. I walk on earth, but I'm seated in heaven. I want that just to sink in for a moment. I need you to know what your rightful place is. You see, God's purpose in man's redemption reflects his original purpose in man's creation. I'll say it again, God's purpose for redeeming man reflects his original purpose in creating man. God created us to dominate. Now granted, we may have fallen off. I don't have anything over here, but, but let's say for example, this is where God created us to be. Because of the sin of Adam, we fell down and God restored us. This is not restoration here. Not halfway up. Restoration is all the way up here again. This is full restoration. And this is, what, this is where God has placed us. Look at what it says in Exodus 19 and verse 6. Can someone say it's time to push back? Look at this. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Notice kingdom of priests. In a kingdom you have a king, right? It speaks of restored kingship. That's what this verse is speaking about. It's talking about restored kingship instead of slavery. For if by one man's sin death reigned, how much more, not those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness shall reign in this life. Say this, I was destined to reign. You 
are you in slavery of anything at this moment? Do you feel whether it's a bad habit? It doesn't matter what it is. If you find yourself in a position of bondage right now with something that you're really struggling to overcome, I want this word to sink down deep and seat itself in your spirit so that you can understand that's not where God destined you to be. But you know what? We never come out of that position alone. One is too small a number to make a difference. We're launching freedom groups in just a few weeks' time. Next week, I believe, Pastor Greg, freedom groups. Freedom groups are special in the sense that they are made up with a group of people that have all been through what you are going through. And when you put yourself into a freedom group with somebody who is qualified to not only share the word with you, but surround you with people that have already come out what you're going through, that's a formula for true, lasting deliverance. We want, and God wants, all believers to be free. You can't walk properly when you're not free. Have you ever tried running with a shackle or a chain around you? God wants you to be free. And if you are here, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have been struggling with something for many, many years. I'm saying your next step is to get into a freedom group. Stop playing nice and sugarcoating your life and hiding away what it is you're facing. Bring it out into the light because only what you keep in darkness can the devil have power over according to Ephesians and John. Whatever you bring into the light, he no longer has power over. That's what freedom groups are all about, hey, Pastor Greg? So we're launching that in a few weeks' time. Make sure that if you're struggling with something, get into freedom groups. You won't stay there, praise God. You might walk in there bound, but you're going to walk out there free, and then you're going to help somebody because God saved you to save someone else, right? That's what the Lord wants for us. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we want us, everybody, to be in a place where they are dominating and not being dominated. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22. Take a look at what it says in Scripture. It says, because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees a better covenant with God. Say better covenant. Now, in order to put this in perspective, I'm going to show you the kind of things that David enjoyed under the old covenant. To help us understand how much more we've got under the new so listen to what David said about the benefits of the old covenant. We find this in Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his, all his benefits. Who forgives all of your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed by the eagles. Now, if that was alone, was in, that would be good enough. But the Lord said in Hebrews, he's given us even a better covenant. Say this, the Lord wants me to walk free. I'm under a new covenant, even a better one than David had. God has purchased through Christ's through Christ blood for us. You see, God made us a kingdom of priests. It is our responsibility, however, as kings and priests to rule our life. If you don't rule it, somebody will rule it for you. Listen to me carefully. If you don't take charge of your life through Christ, someone else will take charge of it for you. So how do we rule? The answer is simple. When I talk about it's time to push back, Pastor Andre, how do I push back? And what has Brooke Lax got to do with this message? I'm telling you now. What Brooke Lax was 
to Anton van der Berg. Prayer is to the devil. It's time to push back. I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture. How do we push back? How do we rule? We rule through prayer. You see, God created us as ministers and priests. He wants us to minister as priests, but he wants us to rule as kings. From this, we can clearly see that we're not called to exert our means or our will through means of civil disobedience. God did not intend for us to exert our will through civil disobedience or through violence. God wants us to rule as priests and reign as kings and priests pray. We rule our life through prayer. You see, as priests and kings, God expects us to use our authority both for his glory and for our own good. How does civil disobedience bring God glory? Let me ask you. If everything we ought to do ought to be as unto the Lord, how does civil disobedience bring glory to Jesus? Impossible. Doesn't work that way. The Bible's way is very, very, very clear. He's mandated us. And you know, Jeremiah is a great example of how one can speak to a level of authority delegated to us by the Lord. Listen to what the Lord says to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 10. I'm talking about and teaching you how to push back, okay? Jeremiah 1 and verse 10. The Lord says, see, I have this day set you over the nations. Can someone say this? I have been set over the nations, okay? Look at this. And over the kingdoms. Say this, I've been set over kingdoms. To do what, the Bible says? To root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. That's what the Bible says. All of this. Now, if you want to know how do I do this, let's take a look at Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 9. Let's go back a verse and see what the Lord says over here. Look at what he says. How are we going to do this? How do we tear down? How do we pull down? How do we plant? How do we grow things? He says in Jeremiah verse, chapter 1 and verse 9, he says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Now read verse 10 again. See, I have, set, I have, see, I have this day set before you, set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down. How do we do this, folks? We do this with the words of our mouth. If we're talking about pushing back, pushing back the spirit of this world, pushing back those things that are trying to oppress us, that are trying to hinder us, that are trying to hamstring us, just like that jailer and that emperor that put Paul and Silas in that prison. Just like that, they worshiped God. They praised the Lord, and God set them free. Likewise, if we do the same, the Lord will do exactly the same for us. You see, our authority rests in God's words given to us, just like they were given to Jeremiah. Now, this is very, very important. Not just to ensure that our personal circumstances fall in line with God's word, but governments and nations as well. Folks, we must understand that who leads us is an answer to prayer or a lack thereof. Who leads you is either an answer to prayer or a lack thereof. It's the church's responsibility, and I'm going to prove it to you when we look at the book of Acts a bit later on. So look at what it says here in Psalm 149, 
verses 5 through 9. It says this. This is so important. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in thy hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment. Now look at this last statement. This honor have all his saints. Praise the Lord. Not just Jeremiah, you have the high praises of God in your mouth and the two-edged sword, which is God's word in your hand, to execute judgment. Don't put up with the nonsense the devil is throwing your way. Bump your neighbor and say, it's time to push back. As long as you're not speaking, God's not working. God can only do for you what your words allow him to. But we slip back into passivity and we just watch what's coming our way without, becoming, without standing up and becoming righteously indignant and saying, no more, I don't care what society says, I am getting an increase in the name of Jesus and no devil of hell or devil of depression is gonna prevent that from taking place in my life in Jesus' name. The foul devil that's been holding back my promotion, I serve you notice. I've I've had enough in the name of Jesus. I'm getting promoted because the favor that rests upon Joseph's life rests upon my life. And I'm not getting it because I'm good. I'm getting it because God is merciful and I'm a tither, hallelujah. And I'm gonna return it back to the Lord, amen? Someone say, it's time to push back. And you that are watching on TV, bump your neighbor who's hopefully also watching and say, it's time to push back. Praise the Lord, I don't have time to go into the account in James where we read about how Elijah prayed and God shut up the rain and how he prayed again and how God released the rain. That's a really interesting study. You can do that in your own time. The scriptures, I believe, will be brought up. It's actually on your notes. So I don't have time to get into that because I'm moving somewhere very, very fast. But needless to say, what kind of faith must a man have to stop the rain from falling for three and a half years. What kind of faith does that take? It takes the faith that Elijah had in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16. That's where he got his faith from. He got his faith from the word, and he spoke the word, and God shut up the heavens. But then we find that he prayed again, and the Lord brought rain. <laughs> and that was based upon 1 Kings chapter 8. It's one thing to pray for rain to stop, but you better have the faith to get it started again. Otherwise, you're on your way out. Thank God Elijah had a consistent relationship with the Lord. Can you imagine if he backslid two and a half years into that drought? Who would have called back the rain? <laughs> Thank God he was consistent, and when it came time to rain again, the point I'm making simply with these notes, and you can look at them at home, and you can down them, download them on the app for those of you watching online. The point I'm trying to make is this, that authority comes from Scripture. Elijah's authority comes from Scripture. The Bible says in James he was a man just like us. So he's no different. He just used the word. We need to use the word. Say it's time to push back. Using the word and prayer. Okay, so let's move right along. And now I'm going to be dealing with the book of Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, I'm reading from verses 1 through to 11. I want you to see very clearly in this next portion of Scripture. It's a long portion of Scripture, so bear with me. But I want you to see from this portion of scripture who thought 
they were in charge, but who actually was in charge. That's what I want you to notice in this next portion of Scripture. So let's read this in Acts chapter 17. It says this, that about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under a guard of four squads of four soldiers each. One man with four squads of four, 16 soldiers. Look at what happened. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. Let me tell you, there is a devil out there, and his intention is to destroy your life. His intention is to destroy your relationships. His intention is to wreak havoc in your life. Why? Because he only knows how to steal, to kill, and destroy. I want you to know that there is a devil. He's alive, and his intentions for you are completely contrary to what God's are. Peter realized this, and let me tell you, if the devil's going to attack you, he doesn't do it without people. He uses people. <laughs> okay? He's not going to into your room and manifest himself with a tail of pitchfork and horns and say, I'm here to destroy you. No, he's going to use people. Because when God wants to bless you, he uses people. When the devil wants to hurt you, he uses people. So be on the lookout, remembering that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So just like this Herod, this devil, had intended to destroy Peter and execute him the way he had done with James, look at what happens. So he imprisoned him, placing him under guards. It says here, while Peter was in prison, while Peter was bound, while Peter was prevented from doing any sort of effective ministry, while Peter was hamstrung, the Bible says the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. You see, folks, I see a church that had lost their apostle. And because they lost their apostle, they'd become righteously indignant. They saw what happened with James, and they knew the Herod that was in charge of them. They knew what Herod had intended to do, and this church decided it's time to push back. But they didn't go stand outside the prison with placards, toy-toying, or protesting, in another word. And it happens all over the world. They didn't go stand outside and say, this man's innocent, free him, free him, this is a democracy, da, 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 da. They decided to push back, but look how they pushed back. They pushed back on their knees in prayer. Can you bump someone and say, it's time to start pushing back? So that night before Peter was placed on trial, he was asleep fastened between two chains, between two soldiers. So it's 18 soldiers, two chains in the dungeon. They must have been very afraid of this. I tell you what, the devil is rightfully afraid of each and every one of us. Others stood guard at the prison gate, more guards. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. I believe the angel did this because he didn't know how long the church would be praying for. 
Because sometimes the church is not really great in praying things through. There's no other reason why this angel would be saying, listen, gijima, gijima, gijima. Ale, ale, ale. For those of you that come from Mauritius. I mean, God's got all the time in the world. Why is he in a hurry now? He's saying, listen, those guys over there are pushing back. I've got to work with while they are praying. Because while they're praying, power is being released. And I can operate in the environment of power. Whenever you get down on your knees and pray, I want you to know the spirit of this world is pushed back in Jesus' name. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off his wrists. Hallelujah. So not only was he free, he was bound and now he's loosed. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat. The angel has been able to tell him how to dress. Put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. That's why he didn't want to get dressed. He thought he was dreaming. He didn't realize <laughs> it was actually happening. This guy's so fast asleep while the devil's trying to destroy himself. Let me tell you this, faith sleeps in the storm. I've said it before, I'll say it again. True faith sleeps in the storm. Peter was <laughs> 20 soldiers, chains, no problem. I rest in God. You know why? He knew there was a church out there praying for him. <laughs> Even when he couldn't help himself, there was a church. This is, you see, folks, this is one of, the, one, of the, one of the 61 scriptures in the New Testament that cannot be fulfilled unless you attend a local church. Can you imagine if Peter didn't have a church to attend, if he didn't have believers that loved him, if he didn't have believers that identified with what he was going through and began to pray for him? You can't, listen, as much as I love you watching online, get into church. Because you can't get wet watching a shower. You must step into the shower. We love you, but we pray that your home watching becomes your pew sitting. Can I get an amen? amen. So look at this, he says, they passed the first and the second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. It didn't open by itself. It opened because of the prayers of the saints. Because the church was pushing back. So they pressed. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do for me. Say this, when I push back in prayer, everything the devil and his cohorts had planned for me is completely and utterly annihilated in Jesus' name. When we pray and when we push back, it says this, at dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. When he, could, when he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Let me tell you, if we push back in prayer, the very thing that was looking to bind us and hinder us, God himself will destroy on our behalf in Jesus' name. We will rock up and everything will be destroyed and God will be praised. So when they couldn't find him, he sentenced them to death. Afterwards, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. Instantly, the Bible says, while he thought he was on holiday, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. Folks, listen to me tonight, and I'm going to close with this. The true rulers of this world 
and the true rulers of your circumstance. The true rulers are those who pray. The true rulers are those who push back. You see, Herod thought he was the king. Herod thought he was in charge. Every Roman thought that Herod was in charge, but he wasn't. It was the praying church that was in charge. And just like the devil thinks he has you where he wants you, I'm telling you now, he's not in charge. When your boss, who doesn't serve God perhaps, thinks he's got you where he wants you, he only he only thinks he's in charge. He's not the one in charge. Because when you get home and you get on your knees and you begin to push back, your charge over your circumstances and over the world is really exercised. And guess what? God begins to move and work on your behalf. I love this story because prayer not only produced angelic intervention and saw him delivered, it brought about deliverance. But more importantly, that same demon in Herod that tried to take out Peter was completely annihilated and could never come and revisit him ever, ever again. I'm saying if we decide to push back with the high praises of God in our mouths and a two-edged sword in our hand, we will see. You know, folks, for hundreds of years, people did not really understand the impact that Jeremiah had and how accurate his words of deliverance and his prayer was. It was only when you begin to study church history that you see how profound an impact this prophet had because he understood this principle that you've got to push back, otherwise you're gonna be pushed over. How many of you are ready to say, it's time to push back? I pray and I release, uh, release an anointing to pray on everybody. I pray that the Lord would stir you and wake you up and lead you to pray. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.